Lost in the Long Box is sponsored by Gateway Comics and Toys. Better than Gateway that, is located like at 2368 Plank Road in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Our website is gatewaycomicsandtoys.com where you can find more information about our store, including hours, new releases, and specials for the week. Our social media is under Gateway Comics and Toys as well, so you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Lost in the Long Box for August 12th. I am your host, Randall. I have my co-host, Enos. Hello, folks. Tommy. Hello, everyone. Olivia is going to be out tonight. She is not feeling well. And then we have Mad Men working the boards, as always. Say hello, hello. Mad Men. Hello, Mad Men. Uh, that little gasp you heard from me earlier just now, Mad Men, was when I slid forward, my knee hit the table, and the whole table shook. And, and uh, Yes. And I was afraid that I was going to knock everything out of whack and you're going to be... All right, Comic Cam's working. All right, Oops. cool. We're good. Well, I got to get to the right... Hold on. You screwed me up, man. Right. As long as we know everything's working. It's just like I said, I slid forward and the whole table shook and I'm like, oh, Madman's going to throw something at me now. Uh, all right. So how was everyone's last week or weekend? Your week was great. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, been fine. Uh, so Enos, I don't know if you found out, I discovered my whole issue with my... Uh, Avengers Endgame disc was the firmware on the Blu-ray. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, I found this out because I took one of the Blu-rays that wasn't working to my friend's house, and he put it in and it played fine. And I says, oh, okay, so it must be the firmware on the Blu-ray, and I updated it today, and works like a champ now. So, but um, Thank you, sir. Um, all yes, right. indeed. Let's go ahead and just jump right into the news items. I'm going to cover Olivia since she is out. Um... And apparently Seth Rogen has decided he's going to be boycotting the Marvel movies. Uh, but he says that they, uh, they're changing di the dynamic of theatrical comedy instead of being action movies. And that he's complaining about how they make $200 million comedy movies and setting a new standard for what people expect from comedies. And the whole time I'm thinking, aren't you the guy who made that train wreck of uh, a movie? Green the Green Hornet. Horn uh, who, who showed no respect. For to the, the character whatsoever, right. uh, to the source material, and made a mockery of it. You are a fine one to be throwing stones, buddy. Right. Uh, Olivia said uh, a lot of the rumors that they think he's trying to stay relevant and, and stay in the limelight. You know, if he has something coming down the road that's going to be like a, a good superhero movie, I'll cut him some slack. But knowing that he's not doing anything, exactly. He's he, so. he's got a. Um, series that's specifically made for HBO Max that is premiering very soon where he is, he's playing a 
immigrant and both he's doing a dual role right playing uh the immigrant and the relative of the immigrant it looks like it's going to be good I'm, I'm not taking anything from seth rogan he's a great comedic actor great writer but there are some things that you just need to leave alone especially if they're not in your repertoire and he proved that thoroughly with the um like i said that mockery of a green hornet film right and, and that's the thing he's a fine comedic actor but don't take on a serious role or a role that where you need to be more than a, exactly. a comedy actor. Um, and and he did, and he failed. And he's like, "Well, we'll make it a comedy." And yeah, exactly. And and well, everyone has their their strengths. Some people are comedic actors. Some people are dramatic actors. Sometimes sometimes you get that person that can be both. Right. Not everybody can do everything. Exactly. But 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 to me, what he did with the Green Horn is like if we tried to do if you if you would try to do that with Superman. There's only but so much comedy you can do with Superman. So uh, someone needed to give him the line of "Stay in your lane, bro." Exactly, big time, <laughs> big time. Um, so you have a huge piece of news. Um, we're gonna wait on yours. Okay. I'm gonna go to Tommy. He's got two big pieces, uh, two two good pieces also. Well, first off, pretty quick. Number one is um, Awesome Con for 2020 has been officially canceled. So there will be no Awesome Con next year. Next year's uh, there will be uh, Awesome Con will be returning in May of 2021. So save up your money and check it out next year. So you know what's funny about that is um, we here on Lost and Longbox had uh, media passes to go to Awesome Con this year, and then COVID hit that. So you know, of course, there's our luck. It we can't go because it's canceled. And the nope. emails from Awesome Con even said if you already have a media pass you are unfortunately going to have to reapply again. And I had never done it because mm, I told right. Enos a couple weeks ago, I was on the fence as to whether or not I was going to go to the one in December and they made the decision for me. So, yeah, so well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I wasn't on the fence. I was not going. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wasn't going to go. I mean, let's face it. That place is packed under, you know, under the best circumstances. It's a disease factory. I'm no. Right. right. Can't, blame, can't say I blame you on that, buddy. And uh, yeah, so I, 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 I totally concur with you on that. All right, and then, Tommy, what's your other one? The other one is, um, we had talked, spoke about this character a few weeks back. We did Patriotic Heroes. Uh, U.S. Agent will be getting his own five-issue miniseries. Uh, it looks like it's going to be called American Zealot. Um, and it's going to be, again, it's going to be five issues. It's, he, is gonna, he has either been fired or quit the government, depending on who you ask. And is going to be an independent civilian contractor. So that sounds like that could be interesting if you're a U.S. agent fan. Okay, so now I have a question. Just because I, I haven't read Captain America or any of the affiliated characters, who is U.S. agent currently? U.S. agent is John Walker. John Walker he, still. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's still John Walker. He stepped in for Captain America when Captain America um, stepped down for, for a period of time. He's a bit more serious, a bit more, you know, He's the scowling cousin of Captain America, I guess you could say, you know. Okay. So, but yeah, he he served as Captain America for a pretty decent run back in I think it was in it was in the late eighties, early nineties. Okay, uh, I just never really kept up with that character. Was so. a, he was a member of the West Coast Avengers um, during that run? If you if you if you what uh, read the original West Coast Avengers run, I never was, did, and it's one of those titles that I'm now regretting that I hadn't read when it was originally. It was out. a pretty good title. It was a good title. I liked it. I got I've got quite a few of them here. So. somewhere back in the closet. All right. So a couple of items that I have, um, and this one just falls into the really category. So apparently New York city comic con is still a go. Mm. And, and a lot of the fans are like, really, you're not going to cancel that convention. 
And, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be the whole doomsayer with COVID and the mask wearing and what have you, but last time I checked, New York was one of the hotbeds. Right. <laughs> and, and actually, they are that state is actually one of the ones that are actually showing improving numbers to the point where the kids are able to go back to school, people are able to go back to work, and they they were able to open up, and that was due a doing due in part to the people doing what they were supposed to do, following the social distancing, wearing the mask, everything. And, yeah, and New York, New York's quite a bit better than what it was initially. Yeah. Now your hotbeds are Florida, California. Exactly. There's there's a new one. Did you hear who the new one is? Australia. Australia is now. now. I heard. Outbreak, so. Oh wow! I didn't know that. And meanwhile, New Zealand has killed it. They've gone 63 days without a new case. Wow. That's pretty impressive. But all right, so moving right along, uh, DC Comics has released the full lineup for the creators for Detective 1027. Uh, I was reading about that last night. Um, I got to get my hands on that. Coming out September 15th. Did you see the list of people for this thing? My so God. like um, Pedro Tomasi's doing a story called Blowback. Um, Brad Walker, Andrew Hennessy, Nathan Fairbairn, Rob Lee. Uh, the Master Class by Brian Michael Bendis, David Marquez, Alexandro Sanchez, Joshua Reed, uh, Matt Fraction, Chip, Z Chip Zardaski, uh, Greg Rucka, Edward Risso, Tom King, just a whole, whole lot of people on this thing. Scott Snyder, Ivan Rice. Those are just some of the names. Again, I'm just touching on the, the names that are there. But here's the thing that I was realizing when I was reading this about Detective Comics reaching 1,027. You know what's really important about this? And, and you know this. It's oh, just, yeah, but because Batman debuted in... That's not the key. Uh, Obviously, Detective 27. 27. Look at all you're the getting, comics. You're going to get Tom King writing Batman again, and you're, you're nope. thrilled about that? Nope. Look at all the comics from both Marvel and DC. Uh-huh. This one was never rebooted and restarted. Detective Comics. Uh, yes, that's right. Action Comics has been started to be renumbered. Um, Avengers, all the Marvel titles has, Superman has. Um, Detective, Detective Comics is the only Detective one. has never been stopped and restarted at a number one. True, true. I mean, it's, it's may have had some uh, lapses, you know, when company directions have changed, like New 52, but they've never actually stopped the comic and restarted with a new number one. So it's what I call a true 1027, because it's not like what it would fall. Like, say, Wonder Woman, for instance, and Flash, right. where they rebooted with a new number one, and then they went back and did the math and said, okay, well, if we were capable of original numbering, we would be at 750-something right now. So I just thought that was pretty cool. Because, and, I, and it's because you're getting another Tom King Batman story, right? Right. You know what, man? You're forgetting who you're talking to, because you're not actually in the studio. I've already worked out a hand signal with Madman. I give it to him. He pulls your plug, and you drop. <laughs> so, I'm talking to Randy King. I know who so I'm you, you keep, you the, just keep oh, up. He's, oh, he's, got a, he's got a different hand signal for uh, Enos's mic. Right, exactly. Like, like baseball signals. All right, so Enos had a big piece of news. Um, I didn't realize originally how much of an impact this actually is having on DC until I started reading it again today. So go ahead, boy. All right. Well, and for those who have been under a rock for the past couple of days, there's been a major massive layoff at DC Comics as part of a restructuring bid by Warner Media. Now, this isn't just low-level employees. There are some big-time people who have been given a pink slip. Just to give you an example, Bob Harris who was for for the longest time one of the one of the top editors at Marvel who went to DC about 10 12 years ago 
Hank Canals. Um, give me a second here. Hank Canals. Uh, Jonah Weiland. Now, if that name sounds familiar to you, if you're familiar with comic book resources, he is the founder of that website. Um, he was the global publishing initiatives. Uh, I'm sorry, b b vice president of marketing and creative services. Uh, Bobby Chase, VP global publishing initiatives and digital strategy. Senior story editor Brian Cunningham. Executive editor Mark Doyle. Joe, those are just some of the big names that have been let go. Surprisingly, Jim Lee is still the top guy there. Well, and it's funny because I saw an article that had to retract a previous article that said, you know, Jim Lee was not let go because um, prior reports had indicated he was. Right. Now, it's not just DC, though, because um, apparently Warner and laid off a bunch, like 600-some people at Warner Brothers themselves. And the, this also was not, um, and DC Universe was not immune from this. Oh, no, they took a huge hit. They got hit the hardest. And you know it was major because I follow Ivan Rice, uh, the art, the current artist for Superman and the former artist of Batman during, not Batman, I'm sorry, um, Aquaman during the New 52. And he had uh, pretty, now I don't know if he was among the ones to get laid off or he was just giving well wishes to those who had that he worked with and told him, well, wish you well and what have you. So who knows? I hope they haven't because uh, that is, he is too great of a talent to let go. And well, also, too, um, HBO Max took a hit. Yeah, they did. Like 150, 175 people was let go from there. Right. Um, so they, they've said it's a restructuring of Warner Brothers and Warner Media. Uh, but let's be honest. There's obviously money being bled somewhere. And oh, yeah. They're trying to cut costs. Oh, yeah. And, but, 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 but this doesn't you know, hurt the, the comic side too bad. Well, well, here, well, here's the thing that I wanted to address in regard to that. I have been looking at so many sites and group pages, especially one that I shall remain nameless that uh, the three of us are a part of. Everybody is an expert. It is amazing <laughs> to me how in the hell you have people who have never had anything to do with the editorial side or the business side of the comic book industry. All of these fools are giving their opinions like they're industry insiders or they're experts. And the only thing you do is take your butt to a store, buy a comic or buy an action figure. And, and, and what qualifies you? Yes, I understand you're a fan. Yes, I understand you read the comics and what have you. But my thing is this. If you don't know what goes on and what is really involved in the business point of the industry, and really knows what goes on and keeps the lifeblood going, shut up. Because you make yourself look stupid. And 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 not and I have and I've made it a point not to call, not to even give my point on uh this on, on our pages on Facebook or even answer anyone on these group pages because it's a waste of time and mental energy. And and Daryl Banks told us when he was here. And I totally agree with him. Regardless of what they're telling you, they ain't, DC ain't going no place because there are a lot of people who are going as far as to say that this is the end of DC. Shut up! It's not. They're not going anywhere. And 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 uh, I think it was um, 1995 when uh, a little company called Marvel Comics filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, and everyone's and and, and the same experts. But long before we had the um, internet and social media and everything was saying that 
That was the end of Marvel. Damn it, Bobby. Look, look what they did. All right. I have to. That's the bottom line because Enos said so. I have to actually print a retraction, as they like to say. Our friend Will just texted me to remind me DC did renumber with New 52. They did. Right here. But I'm That's right. That's right. They did. I totally forgot about that. But yes, thank you, Will. That's, I forgot that because I, once he texted me that, I remembered seeing this cover right. of Joker thinking, crap, he's right. They did renumber. All right. I stand corrected. Well, then. All right. So Detective Comics 1027 is not that big event anyway. Everybody skip it. Don't get it. And I have one little, slow, little small bit. We were talking about the Green Hornet earlier. Kevin Smith is in a is in talks with Wild Brain Entertainment to bring to the animated foray to the first time the Green Hornet. This will be a show that will be in contemporary times, which will feature the son of. Um, basically, I think they're going to go the route that what he when he uh, did his movie script, they got turned into a comic by um, Dynamite. Bruce, um, um, Britt Reed's son and Kato's daughter are going to be the new Green Hornet, and Kato's going to focus on them. So, and um, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with it. You know what we need, and this will just make both our days. We need Tom King to write a Green Hornet. Series. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> All right. So those are our news items. Let's get to the show and tell. Tommy, you go first because the way the camera's set up over here. Um, once I touch them, it's on, baby. And if I make any small adjustments, it's all off, and Madman throws things at me. Gotcha. All right, so tonight, my mine has uh, to do with tonight's topic, so I will show this off. It is Silver Surfer number 44. Oh. This is the first appearance of the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, man, Ron Lim. God, I love his artwork. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. This is a beautiful-looking book. <laughs> And this was a great series right here. This yeah, was. Series. That was a yeah, fantastic was. series. I enjoyed it. It's one I want to go back and you know, read from the beginning again. Did you and read I that the issue? character a lot? Did you read and, the and issue? It's great because it was it was a good because you know he's he's a very powerful character and you know they were able to come up with with things to uh, you know to to challenge him like a Kree scroll war and everything. I actually will have that too on tonight's subject. So moving on. Um, Enos, you brought this in and just reminded me that I really loved this series um, when I was in high school. I need to just go back and start getting these. Um, Madman, you got the camera on? Yep. Warlord number three. Um, Enter the Lost World of the Warlord. Um, That's a pretty looking book. I like that cover. Yes, it is. You remember where he first premiered? First DC, issue special uh, number uh, uh, eight. Again, I said DC special <laughs> number eight. Yes. So that was a great series. And Travis Morgan is still wearing his familiar black costume in his too, the black leotards, right? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Before he goes to this is, his this um, is Mike Grell, right? Yes. Yeah. Mike oh, Grell. yeah. Mike Grell was a creator of Warlord, and for the longest time, he was the writer and the artist. So you know, that's one of those guys you don't hear enough about. And he was an excellent. He's an well, excellent. He that's because after this, he goes to First Comics and does the John Stable freelance, right? Yeah. 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 He's an excellent writer and artist. Both. He's he's really good. So that and then Mad put his foot in Shaman T. I got to tell you what, Tommy. Um, when I saw this book. Um, I immediately went out to Madman and I said, "Who are you and what did you do with Madman?" Because I was not expecting him to bring in a Marvel comic, let alone a Captain Marvel comic. Yeah, that's that's a pretty book too. I like the cover; and, and it's, it's a great cover. And it's number number fifty one. Sorry, yes, I had to look down because I couldn't remember. That's in the classic remember. the classic uniform. Well, it's it's the design of that outfit. I mean, blue, yellow, and red all together in a right. costume, and they made it work. And I think there was something about the colors. Um, especially in that era of comic books that are just so vibrant and, and bold. 
You know, it's a very bold combination. Well, what I really love about his costume, and Miss Marvel had the same effect, was the way that the star intersected the two colors. Mm -hmm. And the other characters just didn't ever do that. Right. Um, so, yeah, that is a pretty book, Madman. But, yeah, it's, like I said, I was not expecting him to have a Marvel comic. And I was like, who are you? Yeah, I know. <laughs> he's, he's a DC guy. And then I got Fantastic Four number 102, right? Yeah. Yep. 107. Uh, 107, my bad. Uh, I really love this cover. Um, this is the storyline where the thing, um, Ben Grimm, had been cured and wasn't uh, the thing anymore. Um, but in the storyline, it's like he needs to be thing to save the, the rest of the team. I don't, I'm going to be honest, I don't remember the story. I'm going to have to go back and reread it on the Marvel app. I just really love this cover. Yeah. In fact, this storyline gets reprinted in, I think, the, what was it, Marvel's Greatest Comics when they were reprinting the FF stories? Yep. Um, so, yeah. Fantastic book there. Unfortunately, we don't have Olivia here to show us all up, thank God. I mean, too bad. So, yeah, no, I actually won tonight, so that's good. So, uh, tonight's episode, we are going to be talking about the greatest weapons in comics. Um, so, I know I have a couple here that are really nice. I bet you guys are going to have the same ones I did. Madman, do you have any uh, great weapons in comics? Uh, I was just out when you... When you when you uh, told us the uh, the topic, I was like the only thing I was thinking of was things like the uh, the Infinity Stones, the uh, like Mother Box. Mother Box, Mother Box is really yeah, good. Right? Yeah, that was one of my. <clears throat> I mean, there's a lot of them. There's a there's a Cosmic Cube, the Eternal Trumpet, or something like that. There's a bunch of weird stuff uh, in comic books that have un unbelievable power that make no sense at all. They're <laughs> are they like are they called like MacGuffins? They're just this thing that or the or the I forget what it's called. It's where this device that fixes everything in the plot. The uh, Dos Ex Machina? The Doc, D Deuce Ex Machina. Do Deuce yeah, Ex the one Machina. that fixes everything. Okay. Uh Mahina, right. Um all right, Tommy, you go first. Well, I'm, you know, if I'm gonna go first, I'm gonna start with the one uh, I just showed off, and that's the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. Um it's made up of the the Infinity Stones, which first started appearing in the 70s, uh, the Soul Gem appearing in 72. We got the Mind Gem in uh, 75. Power and Time came to us in 77. Well, the rest of them came to us in 77. Of course, the Soul um, Gem came first, right? Right. Right, right. Because you got to have soul, right? In well, the 70s. It, it, well, hang on. <laughs> yes, isn't, right. isn't, the soul gem, isn't the Soul Gem the one that Vision had in his head? No, it makes no, you... Adam Warlock was Adam Warlock. I'm yeah, sorry. Warlock. It, it lets you play it's most, most associated with soul. But the, but the totals are the soul, time, space, mind, reality, and power. So which one got renamed? Because I, ha I have it as time, space, soul, reality, power, and mind. But wasn't one of them different name originally? It was heart. No. no. <laughs> no, no, they, they, they were originally called the Soul Gems. Oh, that, yes, that's renamed. it. That's what I'm thinking. They they Soul were always Gems. called the Soul Gems, and then they started renaming them. They, they renamed the them to the Infinity Gems. But well, here's what's really so here's what's great about the Gauntlet. The gems themselves are pretty daggone powerful. Before you put them all together, yeah. so yeah. like the like the Time Gem had control over all aspects in time, including stopping time, slowing it down, or speeding it up. Right. Not just time travel, right? Right. Um, the space gem could, you know, limitless manipulation of space. Think about that. Just make a black hole whenever you need it and make the black hole pop out wherever you need it to pop out. Right. That, that's, so, that involves time, though. I mean, yeah, these were, these were some, some, some bad weapons without putting them all together. And, you know, they, they don't get put all together to, for the first time until 1990. Right. Well, exactly. I think, I mean, I think the so biggest... That, I mean, that's, that's really cool that they, that, you know, they 
you know, debuted in the 70s and then, you know, don't get put together until 1990. Go ahead, Madman. I think that, you know, it's it, it, it was kind of silly to have time and space as separate gems because they're actually the same thing. And I think it was just the understanding of the universe back in the 70s. Right. That by separating time and space is like you've done a fundamental thing that, you know, it flies in the face of physics. But then again, it is a comic book. Yeah, I mean, it's a comic book. You know, th- th- this is a medium where people wear their underwear on the outside of their pants. So, I mean. Well, I mean, if you get the space gem and you're and you're like, I want to create a black hole. And somebody's like, no, that you have to have the time gem to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you need to have the combo points, you know. Well, that's uh, is it, So, is Thanos the one who dawns on the, um, the, uh, the revelation that, gee, if you put these all together, you make the ultimate weapon? He's the first yes, one to he, realize that, yeah. right? He's the first one to realize that he finds this out during the uh, the two part miniseries Thanos Quest, which right. came out um, slightly before Silver Surfer forty four. I do not have those books, but if you have a chance to get a hold of them and read them, it is a good story. Well, it's so um, funny. You know how many of us all passed on Thanos Quest and didn't realize what it was going to lead up to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yep. So that that's the story of him actually collecting the gems, and at at the end of Thanos Quest two. Once he has them all in place, that's when Death realizes, Mistress Death realizes that he's now more powerful than her. Right. Well, I mean, and then, yeah, in and that then series, in Silver Surfer 44 is when the gauntlet itself first appears. Right. I think that was what was interesting about the entire, like, Finity Gauntlet saga. I mean, that happened when, like, Tommy and I were in, were in high school, right? That's when all that was going on. And yep. so, um, and it was a sleeper. You know, it was a sleeper uh, plot line. It came from Silver Surfer. You know, a lot of kids that I grew up with, you know, they weren't reading every single Marvel title back in the 90s. And Marvel kept it. And then one of the reasons, and and you're very right, Madman, this was a sleeper because there wasn't a lot of fanfare with this. And and, you were reading Silver Surfer. This came out of nowhere. Yeah, exactly. And like, and um, you really didn't realize what was going on until after everything was over with the infinity war and all of that. And when, when, uh, they did a spinoff book with warlock calling the, creating the, the infinity watch after he took over, right. took possession of the, the uh, infinity gauntlet. And everybody was like, well, oh, wait, wait, what? Why did this? <laughs> I mean, what, what, how did warlock come in? I thought he was dead. So it was right. like, so, so like you had to do a whole lot about, you had to do like a year and a half, 18 months worth of backpedaling and book shopping to get caught up. So, well, remember too, the big thing here is we didn't have internet back then. Exactly. Yeah, so there, was no there was no website to tell you something big's coming down in Silver Surfer. Right. If you weren't reading right. Silver Surfer, um, you, know. you had to hopefully have a friend who told you, hey man, you better pick up Silver Surfer. Something exactly. big's going down over there. Exactly. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, but previews, the, the previews. I was going to say, pre, unless you had pre, previews was out, out back then. And also, Wizard was very prominent then, too. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah. Yeah, so, but yeah, yeah. Like you said, the storyline, like Madman said, this storyline happened when we were in, when him and I were in high school. And it's, if you weren't reading Silver Surfer, it just kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like I said, Thanos Quest. I don't know anyone who picked up Thanos Quest because, let's be honest. He was not that great a character, you know. He no. had never really done anything huge. Right. Well, he'd Until been that, dead. He'd well, been well, dead. Well, well, well know, see, the, the, the last time Thanos... Silver Surfer before. The, yeah. the last time Thanos made an impact was during... Uh, was when um, Marvel... No, when um, Adam Warlock died in uh, Marvel 2 and 1 Annual number 2, where all the Avengers went up against Thanos. Right. And um, Warlock gets killed... 
But in the last episode, last issue of that storyline, he comes out of the soul gem and he takes uh, Thanos. He turns him to stone. So I like that one. Infinity Gauntlet. Who do you? What do you have? What I have, I have. Um, we since we were talking about Captain Marvel earlier, his nega bands. Good one. Well, I was going to say like the power. Is that like the same as the power cosmic or not? Uh, no, that's cosmic awareness. Oh, okay, uh, never mind. Uh, that was something that he was given after he had an interaction with Ego, oh, and right. he used to have the white hair, and his hair changed to blonde, and he gave him the cosmic awareness. After basically reforming, you know, transfiguring him into like even more powerful and making him the um, protector, protector of the universe. All but right. the Nega bands, bands yeah. and the Nega bands that he had was what enabled him to fire bolts, enable him to travel and everything. And um, if and Laverne, this is a very little known fact. Did anyone pay attention to the time that Marvel was trapped in the? Uh, in the negative zone. zone and Rick yeah, Jones. Rick Jones yeah. And and, and, and you notice that came out right about the time DC got the rights to Shazam. Right. Uh, yeah, I did yeah. not notice that. Yeah. <laughs> All this was going because that's when I first was introduced to Captain Marvel back in 73 or 74. Because yeah. I thought it was real cool how Rick Jones would do this. I had to smack them together. Smack them right. together. Instead of saying Shazam or right. Magic Word, they had these bands. Tang, tang, and they would switch places into the going to the negative zone, and that came right around the time. Say that wasn't a coincidence. Uh, Oh yeah, by by no means was a coincidence. But also a very interesting fact about the Nega bands in the landmark issue where uh, Marvel goes up against Nitro, and he um and the canister of nerve gas falls to the ground and cracks that he winds up closing with his bare hands. They gave him the cancer that killed him. It was actually the nega bands that helped him live um, longer. Right. Cause it was keeping the cancer at bay, it was keeping right? the cancer at bay. And yeah. then, but the cancer had gotten to the point where the nega bands, they were trying to get the nega bands off to try to give him a cure. But if they took him off, he was gone. Right. Was so, it. That would have been it. And so I will say one thing about the Nega bands. It's way cooler to clang wristbands together than to tap a cane on the ground. See, but here's the thing about the Nega bands. <laughs> and, and I'm probably the only one who saw this. Um, every time he clanged them together to change, I kept expecting to see ricocheting bullets off of them. Oh, yeah. Because I kept thinking Wonder Woman when he did that. <laughs> All right. So I have one. Uh, you're going to love this one. Um, I, and I had to pull this one just because of the name of it, even though you've only ever seen it like three or four times in all of Marvel's history. Mm-hmm. The Ultimate Nullifier. Yeah. I, so, figured, oh, yeah. I, figured, I figured you were going to do that. Is that a Reed <laughs> Richards weapon? No. Uh, no. He steals it from Galactus of all Galactus, people. Galactus. That's right. So in the very first Galactus arc, there's no way to stop him. Um, the Watcher takes Johnny Storm and says, hey, come here. You know, I'm going uh, to break my oath. I'm going to interfere. But there's yeah. something on Galactus's ship that will stop him. The most Watcher yeah. ever. Yeah. And it this was. This what the first of many times he's interfered. And it yeah. was the Ultimate Nullifier. So. Here's the first thing. Just the name alone. <laughs> Ultimate the, the, the name alone tells you this might be a bad item. Yeah. And then, and I, I read this on another website where they raised the question, who even makes this? Exactly. <laughs> and it's not the first. I seem to remember a later episode of Fantastic Four, like in the, the mid-200s, like 220 to, uh, range around there, where uh, 
Reed Richards and them are old. Remember they had the disease mm-hmm. that's aged and Galactus picks that time to attack? Right. And he shows up with the ultimate nullifier again. And it's like, man, this thing is just getting around because Quasar even uses it um, to stop Magus yeah. in a story right. arc. Right, But what was funny, so he tries to use it on Magus, um, but because of the powers he's wielding, it nullifies the nullifier. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, wow. But yeah, just the name alone, I remember the first time I read that, I had to go back and go, huh? Yeah. The you, ultimate nullifier. You have actually named a weapon ultimate nullifier and, and, and aren't hiding the fact that what it does is wipe out everything. And then you ha- do have to ask yourself, what's the possible use for this? <laughs> well, I like the fear- theory. I was talking to uh, one guy. I said, um, after, after the Watcher, Uatu or whatever his name is, right? after he interfered, like his punishment was he had to watch all these alternate timelines that didn't happen because of what he did. You know, and so that's what the whole "what if" series was right. all about. It's right. like that's your punishment. That's what the his, his community is. <laughs> yeah. like, right now, you got to watch in, uh, all of this as well. So it's like like doubled his workload. You know, maybe tripled it. So, so uh, he's having to watch all this other stuff, and that's and I liked it that how uh, "what if" was hosted by the watcher. watcher right, right, right. I like that, but in, as well, also in "what the" he was often depicted as like. Uh, red-eyed with drinking a cup of coffee like this guy never sleeps and, <laughs> and just, some, just some crazy person who has watches everything well in fact i want to say that even in the time runs out storyline you find out that reed richards and the illuminati had the um the ultimate nullifier as well as the infinity gauntlet because that's what they're going to use to wipe out the one earth that was uh doing the incursion just before they go into secret wars right which was a great story by the way you should go back and read that not not the secret wars i mean that's okay but that whole time runs out that starts in a yeah. new avengers and runs all the way through that book with the incursions what a My. great story that was jonathan hickman so yeah oh, exactly. tommy what's your next weapon next weapon would be a green lantern ring oh yeah oh yeah uh, go ahead but i'm going to argue it here in a second you're going to argue it yes well, i am it's one of the most powerful weapons in the known universe. It's it's limited only by the user's will. Okay. Um, well, here's my argument. Um, the white ring has a power of the green and all the other color spectrums as well. Okay, you got me there. So, because you, you know, the green lantern ring is the traditional one that most people most people know about, most people wear about. You know. Right, but you had. Well, here's the thing. You can easily argue all the rings. Are powerful because let's look at what they oh. all have all right blue is hope um red is anger and rage right um mm-hmm. orange was avarice. avarice all right indigo what was indigo i could not remember what indigo passion. was passion passion um purple was love um and you can look in history and see any number of wars were fought over these emotions yep. if not all of them at some point and the white ring encompasses all those powers so Didn't, uh, red give yeah. us larfleas. I love larfleas. Ah. No, no, no. Orange oh, gave us larfleas. Orange gave larfleas. Okay. Oh yeah, he was, red he was gave a, us Dexter. We love him. <laughs> wow. Uh, Dexter, you know the angry kitty. Yeah, I, I love Dexter. <laughs> so I will, <clears throat> I will give you the Green Lantern ring as being very powerful, but I think the white trumps it. Well, yeah, white's more powerful, but I mean, you know, you know, like you said, uses all of them. But the Green Lantern ring is the one that you know it's it's bound only by the user's willpower. I mean, there's pretty much nothing it can't do if you got if you're strong enough willpower. Especially there's if been, you, especially I mean, if you put it in the hands of an artist. Yeah. Why well, is the white one got to be most powerful? 
The white one encompasses the powers of all the rings. I don't know. It seems a little racist to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, was there an actual... Oh, yeah, there man. actually were black rings for death. Yeah, it was right? black. black <laughs> and the black one is bad. The <laughs> <laughs> power, uh, which was death. Mm. All right. So Tommy has the Green Lantern ring. I'm arguing the Green Lantern ring is not as powerful as the white. What, what's your next weapon? My all-time favorite. Batman's utility belt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, not necessarily saying whistle. It's a weapon, weapon, but it's <laughs> done gotten him out of a lot of jams. But then again, hey, he's got the intellect to to, to like pre-plan every doggone but thing. That's so that's the point. That yeah. let, let's Batman's give us the brain is the, the utility belt though was during the was during the Batman TV series where it always had whatever yeah. it. Whatever yeah. No matter what the situation, it was, he, he always had it. But but on a serious tip though, um, one of the weapons that I always liked was, um, Deathstroke's um, staff. Oh yeah, but you know what? Was it the staff or the man? I mean, well, let's well, be well, honest. <laughs> well, well, and the staff could shoot up bolts of energy. It would enable him. It could propel him to oh, great that's heights. True. Yeah, he did. Uh, and he also could use that as a defense weapon as well. He could use it for offense or defense. And it doesn't look like it's very menacing, but that um, it has some serious firepower um, when used pro- when used properly. And it has aided him against um, enemies that would normally would kick his butt. Right. But Rand- Randy does make a good point. Deathstroke on his own is a weapon. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, with, with, without anything, with just his bare hands, that man right. is a weapon. Right. Which is kind of like overkill, you know. The guy who uses 90% of his brain, why does he need a badass staff as well? <laughs> yeah, Slade Wilson is a badass. Exactly. I mean, exactly. But yet, I have to give it to Brad Meltzer. He's been the only one that showed if Deathstroke has any weakness, he showed it in, in, in uh, Identity Crisis. If you can make um, Deathstroke lose his cool, lose his patience, he's, you, you can beat him. He'll, he'll get reckless. He'll, he yeah. gets reckless. Because right. as long as he is control, in control of the environment and the fight, he is probably, he's virtually unbeatable. Yeah. But um, Green Lantern shot him in the eye with the, um, <laughs> yeah, with, with yeah. the arrow and then um, poked it. And it didn't hurt him. It just made him mad. Right. So when when he got angry, he became all it was reckless abandon. They were able to take him off his feet and uh, defeat him. But you know what? That before that, that scene where he's fighting them all on the steps there is such a great scene. Yeah, it is. Especially way, when he clipped Hawkman's wings. The way he, the way he just effectively takes them all out, <laughs> and the whole um, blurb about what he does to do all like when he makes uh, he punches. Uh, Black Canary, like right there in the yeah, uh, right in the start of it, she like what is that area called? Now I can't remember. Duodenum. Yeah, and then she just immediately just starts puking. Yeah, <laughs> it cuts off the top of all Green Arrow's uh, arrows. Right. Yeah, he, 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 <laughs> yeah, then, that, I, that was great. Brad Metzler is a great writer. His he, he had a great run on Justice League. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, he did. And when Hawkman swooped down and Deathstroke just cut the harness and the wings fell off, I was like. This is bad, man. <laughs> so, well, I mean that that particular scene. It reminded me very much of um, Tower of Babel. Yeah. Oh, right. Yes. Because uh, I mean, if if you want to talk about what Deathstroke is, Deathstroke is very much like a bad Batman. Yeah. You know, in, oh, yeah. And so it's uh, <clears throat> when it comes to like uh, Bruce Wayne having all these contingency plans so that he can take out the Justice League if need be for any particular reason. 
you know, even if it's a bunch of criminals and, you know, in their bodies and they're taking pictures of each other and <laughs> right. giving away their secret identities, you know, he has a way to counter these kind of things. Right. And so I think it's a, it's kind of a good duality in terms of uh, in the DC universe. You got right. a good, good type of Batman and a bad type of Batman. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I had a thought on, on Wade Wilson now. I can't remember. So uh, I have one that I want to pull out. Um, and I'm, I don't know. Tommy may actually have this on his list. Um, I would be really surprised if he doesn't. Because um, it's from our kids over at the Legion of Superheroes. Are you laughing? You saw what it is? Uh, um, it, it had to be it's something that... Uh... So, Tommy, you should know this one because your boy used it. Over at the Legion of Superheroes, the Miracle Machine. Which you basically find out can do anything. <laughs> it will yes. do whatever the, the bearer wants it to do. And... Who actually uses it? Or Matter Eaterlag. Well, he doesn't use it. They realize what a uh, disaster the thing is waiting to happen, so he eats it to get rid of it. Damn right he does, because he's the ultimate superhero. And when and when you need someone to save the day, <laughs> when you have something that is just so powerful as this that needs to be gotten rid of. You, you just you have to bring in matter eater lad to eat it. I bring mean, that's good, just what you have to do. Bring out some barbecue sauce. Be good to go. Well, and the thing is, uh, the Saving whole the universe. That's what the man does. The Saves whole the, the whole universe. reason they do this is a, apparently Brainiac Five. You know the twelfth level intellect who's in control of this thing is probably the person you shouldn't have controlling it. Exactly uh, because it starts right. driving him insane, which is why he's like, okay, this is bad. You know, the smartest man in the whole Legion clubhouse is now going nuts because of this machine. We have to get rid of it. But I did not know this. Uh, apparently, during the Final Crisis storyline, they bring it back because Brainiac Five, Brainiac Five gives it to Superman. Um, to uh, dad, get this out. Element, the X element, which had comprised it and made up the Mobius chair. Right. Um, he uses that to get rid of uh, a happy ending to make uh, without Darkseid. Um, so it was kind of a, a cheap cop out the way they used it. Yeah. But, but again, Final Crisis was one of those ones that started off really good and then it just quickly went off the rails. Final Crisis, I, I, I read it and I have, a, I have the entire miniseries and a bunch of the tie-ins. And I think I've just kind of conveniently wiped it from my memory because I honestly don't remember nothing about anything about it. Right. It was one I know, of those, I, did, I know I didn't like it. I can tell you that. Well, it's one again. It was one of those ones. The first two issues were really good, but by the third issue, you were like, "Okay, where's Grant going with this?" Exactly. Yeah. And then the best they could do was get Batman get zapped by the dark side, but it didn't kill him, but propelled him to another. Oh, right. Yes. I'm like, really? You know, I think that may have been where I was reading. I was reading this, and I decided I'm just not really all fond of Grant Morrison. Right, and and with truth, truth be told, I honestly think Nothing he was. Their, he has he has plenty of fans. I'm, yeah, and he was on a good roll, but that was the one where he shot himself in the foot. Yep, I I I, I was not a fan of Final Crisis, and that, you know, there's other stuff I've read of his that I didn't care for either. So I'm not, I'm I'm just you know, right not. now he is making up for it in the. Uh, new Green Lantern series, the, the the Green Lantern. See, I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, it, 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 it's it's like um, Liam Sharp. Art art's good. Story, the past stories that I've read have been uh, rather good. I've got the trade paperbacks just so I don't feel like digging through nothing to read it. But it's like to me, um, Morrison is not going to be able to top. All Star Superman and Batman and Son to me because those were to me some of his best work. Hmm. 
I might argue the Batman is someone, but all right, who's got another weapon? I'm really surprised Tommy did not have Miracle Machine. No, you know, I did not have Miracle Knowing Machine. what a fan of the Legion he is and, and the fact that his boy, Matter Eater Lad, <laughs> saved the day with it. Saved the world by eating it. <laughs> now, I don't know if this is considered a weapon. How about Cerebro? Mm. Mm. I would actually, I would probably give it up for it being the most, one of the most powerful items uh, in the universe because it can find all the other mutants. Right. And, and not only does it find them, it, it pretty much can tell him what his powers are too. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's pretty powerful in its own right. I don't know if it's ever used as a weapon, but I mean, but, it's it's pretty stinking powerful. Yeah, exactly. Now, um, another one, another one of my favorites, Miona. Yeah. Oh yeah. yes. Oh yeah. I love Miona. Well, isn't it actually Miona? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh... All I know is when they finally pronounced it in the movie, I'm like, well, I've been saying that wrong for the last 30 years. Well, I'm pretty, <laughs> hey, well look, y'all know just like I do, somebody somewhere said Majalna. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Somebody. Oh, yeah. I probably said that before. I'm not going to lie. I, right. that, was, that, that was a frequent. I reading comics that I referred to it as that. I, I would not well, doubt it. <laughs> that was a frequent lunch table argument. Oh, yeah. Association of Mjolnir. Mjolnir. And I'm like, okay. And then, you know, when... um. It wasn't until um, I started reading Thor when Simonson took over that I really started getting into Norse mythology. And I knew a little bit about it, but started reading it. So that's how I was able to pronounce the names and everything. But, man, Miona ain't nothing but the truth, man. So, all right, so let's, let's talk about it then. What makes it one of the most powerful weapons? I think because it's magic. Yeah. Magic is, like, one of the biggest, you know, when it comes to power in especially in like uh i think in um in marvel universe right magic right. is like it trumps most other abilities powers this, this is true marvel tends to put a a heavy um <coughs> a emphasis heavier, on heavier. on magic being the ultimate power in the universe right when it's nearly indestructible that the hammer's nearly indestructible you know it, it not if you're hella <laughs> right but i mean i'm just saying you know it's nearly indestructible it's right. not indestructible right. but it's nearly indestructible right it, it can obviously yeah. tell the spirit of an individual and whether or not they are a noble cause right, right? you know it's, that's one of those things that i really wish they'd flesh out a little bit more what makes one worthy because i don't think it's ever been established what makes a person worthy right. of that you know mm -hmm. i think it's just you know if the writer decides hey i want this person to be able to lift the hammer <laughs> right it's it's the sword in the stone Basically, right, yeah. and so it's uh, it it it's it allows the the plot to continue. It's like, why hasn't anyone just plucked a sword out of the stone if it can't be done? Right, and so right. Uh, that it's that's the magical element. It's that Arthurian kind of legend that gives <clears throat> lends itself to uh, a lot of how mythology around the world, including North Norse mythology, which basically assimilated a lot of English people they kidnapped, and so right. <laughs> <laughs> and also and also so, too. So we know it controls lightning and the power of the storm. Right. But uh, it apparently also can open a portal to Asgard. Yes, yes because, it can. Yeah. Because for <clears throat> Thor, it's his own uh, bridge. He doesn't need... Um, he doesn't need the Rainbow Bridge. He, he right. doesn't need the Rainbow Bridge. Yeah, he can tra teleport to, Asgard, to he that. He can teleport anywhere. Right, right exactly. Um, right. Because they've shown him both in comics and in movies, uh, oh, we need to go there, throw the hammer, there's a portal. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, and, it can take you back and forth to Asgard. You know, it gives you, it gives you the weather control powers. You can fly. Right. And turns to your hand after you knock it. Well, also, it. too, apparently it's got some type of shielding powers because how many times has Thor blocked a blow with it? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Well, I think there's, I don't think it's a shielding. I think it's more of a parry, you know, 
just parry with an indestructible object is a pretty <sighs> is a pretty useful thing. Why do you think? I mean, if Captain America's shield wasn't made out of adamantium, he'd be breaking it every comic book, <laughs> which I think which I think would be cool. But <laughs> I, it makes more practical sense to use adamantium if it exists. Right. The best picture is always seeing uh, Wolverine's claws sparking against Captain America's shield. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. I mean. That's an image you can never get tired of. Uh, yeah, that's why I'm. I can't. I'm. I'm with you, man. Man, I can't wait to see that happen. And uh, when uh, when when we see the Marvel Cinematic Universe, whenever that's gonna be. Yeah. So Mjolnir, I'll I'll give you that one. Madman, you got a weapon? Um, I was thinking about an honorable mention of the improbability drive when you were talking about that Legion of Superheroes thing. Oh right, yes. Uh, from uh, <laughs> because um, that's what we're talking about. What are you talking about? Devices like. The, the ultimate nullifier and uh, what was that thing called from the Legion of Superheroes? The Miracle Machine. Miracle, Miracle Machine. Machine. All right, it's like the improbability drive from Douglas Adams' uh, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy where right. it's just somebody just thought of it and then it appeared one day <laughs> and it creates, uh, the, it, it makes the improbable probable. Right. And so, I mean, it's, and it's, it's a literary device is what we're talking about. And even the ultimate nullifier, even the Infinity Gauntlet, it's a literary device um, that writers use in order to help further a story along, right, and so forth. And I think that's why, like Cerebro, is mu much different. It's not really a weapon in this in that sense because it's it's more of a like a bat computer. You know, Cerebro is like uh, Charles Xavier's bat computer, right. right? You know, but when it comes to you know something like the Ultimate Nullifier, it's a, a literary device that is based in many many different forms of literature long before comic books. And I think that that's exactly the topic we're talking about today. Well, I, think I always, I always refer to those instances where the writer wrote themselves into a corner. Yes, and needs to get out of it. Absolutely. <laughs> How do I get out of this? <laughs> being, being a writer myself, I yes, sometimes you need to invent something like the ultimate nullifier. <laughs> yeah, big time. Um, so, Tommy, you got another weapon? Uh, the cosmic cube. Ah, damn it! Yes, I was going to pull up the cosmic cube. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, cosmic cube. Uh, the the infinity gauntlet before there was the infinity gauntlet. Um, first appearing in Tales of Suspense '79, way back in 1966, made by AIM, and gives it gives the user reality manipulation powers. Um, mostly, you know, you see this a lot used a lot by Red Skull and his and his lackey a lot. Um, one of the key things about this is that after a time period, you know, it's not really set in stone. It be starts to become sentient and, you know, become its own more or less person. So draws its power from the beyond realm. I was uh, now I was actually just wondering this. I know in the movies, uh, one of the infinity gems is in the cube. Does that, yes. Is that the case in the comics, or is it actually its own entity? No, it's its own okay. entity. It, yeah, it's a whole, it, it, there, there's a whole. It, it's the cosmic cube is one of several. It's not the it's right. Not there unique. is. I do remember comics, reading that there's unique. more than one. Well, yeah, if, there's there's more than one, and like I said, after a while, they become sentient beings. Yeah, unlike if you, the, if you uh, remember the uh, uh, the Captain America, the first Avenger, that's uh, what was that? The space gem, right? Yeah. All right, but it was contained in a cube. And I think it was because it was Red Skull trying, you know, with this thing. I think they're trying to pay homage to, yeah, uh, the cosmic exactly. cube, right? By, because I think it was the only Infinity Gem that was encased in a cube, right? Right. right. Yeah, yeah that was, it was the, it was referred to as the Tesseract. Yes. That. Yes. But but yes, you are exactly right, and yeah, it, it was definitely definitely an homage to the uh, to the cosmic cube. I mean, they're no doubt about it. Yeah, big time. 
I still, I'm sorry. I just still remember that scene out of Guardians of the Galaxy when they come back from the uh, collector's den with the stone and Rocket's like, why do you still have it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're like, we know it's bad. Just dump it and get out of here. <laughs> All right. So this is, this is a bad, this was a bad beast too. Long before we got the, uh, long before we got the infinity. Gauntlet. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, Cause I think that, uh, don't that doesn't that first show up like in the late sixties Avengers stuff? Sixty six. Yeah. Uh, Tales of Suspense seventy nine in nineteen sixty six. So yeah. So one that I have, um, and I actually at first didn't think of it as a weapon, but then I realized, well, no, the the power this thing could um, yield if you use it wrong. The Mobius chair. Oh yeah. 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 Um, because. It doesn't actually have any offensive capabilities, but when you sit in it, it gives you access to all knowledge in the you know, universe. Yeah. Uh, imagine what you can do yeah. if you know everything. Mm. Like everything that's, going back to, like, to the creation of the universe. The you can have. What? That's probably one of the greatest weapons you can have, short of, the, short of being you know, omnipotent and like the Infinity Gauntlet. Right. Eh. Yeah. I don't want to know everything. Yeah, all the knowledge of the universe. Then you, if you get, but if you get all the knowledge in the universe, you're going to be bored forever after. Right. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> not, well, well, not, to mention, the, not to mention. Let's face it. Metatron usually comes off as being bored when he shows up in the in in the comics. So. Well, remember how he creates it is it's all made of that um, uh, X material um, that he has to collect pieces of to assemble it to the point that when he has to get some of it from Apocalypse, he gives Darkseid boom tube technology to get it. So that alone tells you how powerful a device it is that he's willing to give Darkseid access to transport anywhere he needs to at a moment's thought, knowing who he's given it to. So, yeah, I, like I said, I really didn't think of it as a weapon, but then I started thinking about it. Well, no, if I sit in that chair, think about it, anyone who sits in a chair and you suddenly know everything, the string you can pull with that is just, which is why I'm really looking forward to three Jokers now, because Batman's like, okay, it's never been one, it's been three. How do you handle that knowledge? You know? Exactly. Because imagine if you now know everything, you also know the secret of time travel, so you can go back and change something that you probably shouldn't, and change it to your advantage. You know? It's, so. It is forbidden for you to interfere in human history. Right. Well, oh. same thing, with, uh, <laughs> you could use it to find all the, uh, the power batteries of the, of the lantern course and unite them all and make your own white ring exactly. can you imagine if you had a mobius chair and knew how to fuse a white and a black ring mm. why why has it got to be a white ring <laughs> so yeah mobius chair are Who we are we only doing comic book stuff because i think the last grain of sand of fantasia seems like a pretty awesome weapon to have okay you're gonna have to refresh my memory because i haven't watched fantasia in so long no no never ending story Oh, oh, ah, ah, yeah. Everything got destroyed, and Bastion got this last grain of sand that gives him infinite wishes. And what does he do? <laughs> he wants to fly around Fantasia on a dog dragon. <laughs> <laughs> then eventually he wants to go deal with the bullies. It's like, think about where that went for Bastion. <laughs> All right? If he's bringing like, the dog dragons from Fantasia to Earth, and he's like, now I'm going to rule Earth with my dog dragons, an army of dog dragons. <laughs> that's what happens when you have a 12 year old boy that makes a good point that's that, what happens <laughs> that's what happens when you have a 12 year old boy who draws unicorns in his math book <laughs> that kind of power madman's on a roll madman's on a roll yeah i totally dangerous didn't think weapon. about that but yeah that <laughs> well, we were talking about the green hornet now he had two great weapons he had his gas gun and he had the hornet sting mm. 
Yep. The, the Hornet Sting was probably his most lethal weapon because it was a um, hypersonic cane that enabled him to burn through anything. See, yeah. You know a lot more about Green Hornet than I do. Yeah. I'm stuck. Sorry. And the gas gun literally just walk up. Somebody come in. The Green Hornet, pss, that's how it always happens. Somebody would see him. The Green Hornet, next thing you know, a face full of green gas in your history. And you're in the floor snoring. Was I outside when you guys were dissing Green Hornet again in the movie? Yes, you were. Yeah. <laughs> see, I watched it again recently because you guys trashed it. And I, I do like it. I know it's not... It, it draws upon some source material. Right. But I think aesthetically it's very pretty. I do like the, the music. I think it fits well in the... <laughs> we, were, we were more distant Seth Rogen, who was, said that Marvel movies had become $200 million comedies. I understand, but it's Seth Rogen. It's like, it's like you said, he, he smoked himself you're stupid. Uh, <laughs> I got tickled. I, I will say there was one part... It was like they asked him, "Is there something you would like to say?" Don't stop the party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's it for weapons. Um, there's a few more that we didn't cover. You guys out there, you know what they are. You you probably have your own opinions on some of the best weapons. Um, I think we touched on the main ones out there that everybody thinks of when you think of the uh, the weapons in comic books that can just tear everything asunder. Um, want to remind everyone that Mad Men does have Shock Monkey Radio every Thursday night from 6 to 7 p.m. here on FXBG Public Radio. Enos has our sister Facebook groups, Batman Yesterday, Today, Forever, Realm of Superheroes, Comics, and Pop Culture, and Gather Together the Greatest Superhero Teams, which, by the way, we need to start promoting that page. I noticed yeah. it ha hadn't got a lot of hits. No, lately, yeah, so. um, I'm, there are a couple of guys that I want to... Uh, Put on, uh, put on that and help promote the book. Well, we'll, we'll work on it. Um, and again, of course, we do have facebook.com slash lost in a long box. Want to remind everybody, we do this show live on Facebook as well. So you can see the show and tell comics um, that we show here. Um, and trust me, whenever Olivia's here, we're all crying at the end of the show and tell. Yeah, because she makes us look bad. Right. Uh, we do have our Gmail, lost in a long box at gmail.com. We'd like to hear from you. Um, give some ideas for shows. Um, People like Mark and Will who was texting me, if you have anything you want to suggest, uh, email us. We'll do it. Um, and then we have patreon.com slash FXBG Public Radio. supports all of the shows here at the station. Until next time, everybody, we will see you next week. Um, have a good one. Have a good, good night, night folks.